Welcome to episode 17 of When Life Gives You Lemons, Go Vegan. This podcast celebrates and shares people's incredible stories of recovery after making the transition to a low-fat, whole-food vegan lifestyle. And I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. Now, this week's episode was with Alexis Nee, who overcame some pretty severe menstrual cycle issues and asthma after adopting a low-fat, whole-foods vegan diet. I must apologize for being a little out of it during this interview, which rapidly turned into less of an interview and more of just two vegans shooting the breeze. I'm blaming the school holidays and long days parenting for my melting brain. Anyway, regardless of my very un-Allen style of interviewing, if you are someone who has been living with heavy periods, pain during menstruation or endometriosis and asthma, or you know someone who does, this episode is worth checking out. Thank you, Alexis. Apologies for my un-Allen interviewing again. I loved meeting you. It was a wonderful experience talking to you and yeah again my apologies (laughs) enjoy it's such an inspiring interview if you do have any issues with your menstruation or if you have trouble with breathing asthma is a serious condition and it affects so many people so this interview is so good if you are one of those people thank you bye so hello alexis thank you so much for coming along today and talking to me and everyone who's listening so do you want to start by, I've, I've given you a little bit of an introduction, but if you would like to sh- share your story with everyone, it would be awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. So hi, everyone. My name is Alexis, and I have been vegan now for, actually, I think it's just hit a year, a little over a year. And it's been a pretty amazing journey. It started, and I'm so sorry if I get emotional about this, it started when my dog passed away. Sorry. That's totally okay. If you've got pets, I'm sure you I'm sure you understand. Mm. You're probably listening to the show, I'm sure you totally get me. Mm. And anyway, so she had her for nine years and her name was Baby and there was something wrong with her but we couldn't figure out what. And she was diagnosed with a rare form of cancer and three weeks later we had to put her down. Oh, I'm so sorry. It's the worst. You love them so much. It and they the just worst. live forever. <laughs> I know. I don't know why. I, I I don't know why I never thought about that. Like I never, you know, you don't realize how much, how quickly time goes by. So true. So sorry. Yeah. Sorry about that. Sorry no. for everyone that's listening. No. <laughs> Anyone who loves dogs or animals and who's had a pet or who's lost a pet, especially, knows how freaking painful it is when you lose someone that you love. They're your family member. Yeah, and she was like, she used to, she used to sleep with us and like follow us around, and it was just, it's honestly like having like a furry little baby. It was during that stage where I realized it was horrible because I felt so helpless and seeing how much pain she was in, and not being able to be able to talk to her and communicate her and find out what's wrong. And just the last few days, she would just like stare at me with her big eyes, and she was in so much pain and it just kind of made me start thinking well she's so helpless and she can't talk to me and she can't do anything about her situation and she's she's a beautiful animal what's the difference between her and all the other animals like what's the difference between her and a cow and a pig and then from there after she passed I started doing a lot of research so I started reading up about PETA and Animals Australia and the Humane Society organization and started learning more and more about how animals are treated. I 
made the decision that I was going to become vegan. And funnily enough, I, for the last probably about three to five years, I've already started using vegan products. So all my cosmetics and like everything, all my toiletries, my bags, etc. I was adding to buy only vegan products. And I knew that I was going to get there eventually. I just didn't know when. So I, um, as a result of that, it, it fast-tracked. So I did it really quickly within a month. I did it over Christmas and I'm pretty sure my family hated me for it. So I decided that I think it was a day before Christmas that I was going to become pescatarian. And then a few days after that, I became vegetarian. And then about a week after that, I was hardcore vegan. And the first month was pretty hard just because I was the only one. So I felt really isolated and didn't have any support aside from my partner, who was really good. And, you know, my family gave me a lot of, well, quite a lot of grief over it. And that, that was that was difficult. I'm a massive foodie, so that was just going out and not being able to eat whatever I want and post awesome food pics and not knowing where to go or what to eat. That was that was a challenge. And I don't know if you experienced the same thing, but did you find the first month the hardest? I don't know. By the time I went vegan, I'd already cut out a fair bit, so I was it was difficult. Mine was very slow. Yours was so fast. And I think if it was so, when it was, oh, if I think back, like when I first started this way, I used, remember I used to spend heaps of time making vegan versions of other things that I used to like eating. Like I used to love cake, like a lot, like any kind of cake. And so that was the first thing that I was like, what? I can't eat cake. And so <laughs> I would make cakes and then no one else wanted my vegan cake. So I'd eat like a whole cake in two days because no one else was going to eat it. <laughs> totally understand. <laughs> so yeah, that, um, I do, I, that was a problem. I didn't, I found the cake issue. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Now I don't care about oh, cake totally at all, but at the start you. I was like, cake, dessert, <laughs> what? Baked goods of any kind. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have a sweet tooth as well, and that was tricky until I discovered vegan desserts, and then I did the same thing as you, and I went completely hardcore making vegan desserts. And like you, like you, you, you can't make half a cake or a no, quarter of a cake. No. So I would make like a whole cheesecake <laughs> and eat it within like three days. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The start was a, a, a bit of a make lots of food, eat lots of food because no one else wants to eat your food. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I made a vegan cake for Christmas Day and um, my cousin tested, my cousin tried it and my brother's girlfriend tried it and that was it. The rest was me. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. They come around in the end. <laughs> exactly. More for us. More for us, exactly. The, only, the worst part actually is, and I've spoken to a few people about this recently is when you go to like a shared food thing and you bring like a vegan dish and it's delicious and you make it and everyone does like it because you can't eat any of their stuff and they eat all of your one thing and you're like guys I can only eat this (laughs) get away from it I only bought it as a as a joke as a gesture not thinking that you would eat it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my actual dinner. Get away from it, please. <laughs> yep. Oh, I totally get that. It was funny. Like, I was reading up. Um, I was, I'm on the Vegan Australian Facebook group. 
when everyone was posting stories of, like that over Christmas. So I thought, okay, I want to make sure that I have enough. I love food. I want to make sure that I have enough food. So I, I made a couple of dishes and usually no one touches my food. So I was expecting that. I was, I was expecting to go home with heaps of leftovers. When I, on actual Christmas day, so I made vegan potato salad and pasta and a pesto pasta salad. And surprisingly, the pesto pasta salad was the one that everyone kept going back for. So I just left everything there because I kept eating it. See, pesto pasta can get, can get everyone. It's a good, it's a good um, sell. Yeah, so good. And they were just like, oh my God, is this actually vegan? It tastes normal. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it tastes normal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so just moving on. So that's how you became vegan. And so what I wanted to go from there would be was the first things you noticed you're talking about challenges in that first month what did you notice as far as your health in that in that in that early stages in those early weeks of becoming adopting a vegan diet so the first few things I noticed was my skin and I didn't I probably didn't do this properly like I'm usually quite thorough but I didn't research I didn't do enough research in the beginning about what nutrients I had to take and and sorry, what supplements I had to take and all the nutrients that I had to have. All I was focused on was cooking delicious food so I wouldn't feel left out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's <laughs> and getting pretty much where I started. Going. Yeah, exactly. It's like, what can I make? So I got obsessed with vegan desserts and trying to make myself feel better about not going out to eat in all the places that I used to eat at. So I didn't really start off on the right foot. I found myself quite tired and I got quite upset in the first few weeks, the first three weeks exactly. And I remember saying to my partner, I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. And it was, I don't know, it sounds really silly now, but it was purely because of just not having that support and have people making jokes about it and not being able to go out and eat and missing out on a lot of functions and events. Like even simple things like going out with people for lunch at work. The I guess the most inspiring thing he said to me was, you know, said you've never let anyone tell you what you can or can't do in the past and you've just been able to do things irrespective of what people say or think about you so why can't you do this and I thought yeah you're you're completely right so from there I started researching and when I started to eat the right foods and make the right foods and focused more on health rather than vegan amazing desserts everything turned around like I, I've had so many health issues in the past and I used to always have people making comments that I looked like I'm, I'm a really small person so I'm under five foot and um, I used to have people making comments that I looked really sickly and I was too skinny and I always looked pale and I was anemic and ironically when I was a meat eater I was always anemic because I didn't I didn't really like red meat and I wasn't eating the right food and I had really bad asthma, so I had a really terrible asthma attack on my 30th birthday. And uh, look, I've never experienced anything like, anything like it. It was horrible. I couldn't breathe. And after that point, I was taking my puffer about 12 times a day. I used to always get sick. So every three months, like literally like clockwork, I would come down with bronchitis. So it would start off with like a chest and throat infection and then it turned into bronchitis. And I would have so much time off work that my manager actually suggested to me that I started to purchase leave because he thought that I needed to take more rest than everybody else so I wouldn't get as sick. I had like bad, oh, 
I I would fluctuate from having like really bad reflux, bad gastro, like really bad diarrhea, really bad. I used to have like really horrible stomach pains after I ate and then I'd be really nauseous and I'd want to throw up. Not because I was bulimic or anything, like I love food, but I just I just felt so ill. When I was younger, I had really, really bad acne. I couldn't really, like I love exercise, but I couldn't really run or swim or do anything like that because I would start coughing and then my, that would trigger my asthma. I couldn't sleep. So up until probably about, uh, probably about a year or so ago, actually when I turned vegan, I had insomnia. So when I was at school and I and I had to study for massive exams, I would take so many sleeping pills just to try and sleep. Like it was awful. If I think back then, like how how my life was, it was it was horrible. And I was I was always tired and I always looked tired. And it got to a stage where my friends would always say, I look tired, and I would just get over it. I'm like, Yes, I know. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I know I look tired, thanks. And that that was like that was only some of my problems. Then I had lady problems with like crazy and for those of you female listeners, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've gone through the same thing, but I had horrible period pain. I, I I was pretty convinced I had endometriosis. My gynecologist thought I had endometriosis as well, but I didn't want to go through with the surgery to find out if I had it or not. But I had all the symptoms of it. I I would the last few months were the worst of last year, where I had periods that would go on for months and they were heavy and it was awful. And literally the end of the first month, most of all of that went away. And I now I don't even know where my puffer is. It's so amazing because so many people live with that their whole lives. I don't carry it with me anymore. I know. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's insane. So how did you discover the whole food plant-based side of being vegan? <laughs> so after I started doing more research into the health aspect, I started going to a, quite a few talks. So I watched What the Health. And then I attended a nutrition nutrition symposium, which featured Dr. Michael Clapper. Oh, wow. I talked to the Melbourne version of that. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh, that's so I did. Cool. Funny. Yeah, it was oh, great, wasn't amazing. it? amazing. Yeah, it was Oh, so it good. was incredible. It was such an eye-opener. And after that, I made, this, I made the decision that I was going to go Whole Foods. And even and since then, like things have changed even more. So, what were the struggles for you going? You said you said that there were struggles for you when you were going vegan. What were the struggles going low fat whole food vegan for you? Probably the hardest thing was not having people like not having that support network of people to talk to that understand. So, I don't have any vegan friends. I don't know anyone else that's really vegan. I, I know I have an acquaintance that's vegan, but that was about it. And I had some friends that were like, were playing around with being vegetarian. But aside from that, everyone else was a heavy meat eater. They didn't eat healthy foods. So my parents have a restaurant. My cousin's dad has a restaurant and like a, an Asian restaurant. So it's all about taste and flavor. And um, my, my family's Malaysian Chinese so all they care about is how things taste which is fine and as a result like that's that's generally how my family eat and with my friends because I, I was such a big foodie all my friends are generally foodies so going out to eat was near impossible like I would have to research menus and it got to a stage where I, I got quite down about it because I couldn't really go out and eat and I didn't I didn't have anyone to talk to I didn't really have anyone to ask for for recipes so I had to I researched a lot on my own um I didn't really go out much 
like I know it sounds I know it can sound quite silly but that was a big hobby of mine mm. it's huge it's massive yeah I'm one of those people that takes food of photos and posts them yeah. so that was a that was a pretty big thing yeah, it's huge I, I used to well I used to not be, to be a, be a non-vegan and I used to love cakes and junk food and biscuits and chocolate and uh, I used to smoke and I remember like when I started going vegan I was like I have to keep smoking otherwise no one will ever hang out with me <laughs> even though smoking is <laughs> oh, like so, so bad for you <laughs> I was just thinking who's gonna hang out with me what, what are we gonna do we used to sit around and eat crap and smoke I, I liked food I wouldn't call myself a foodie I, I became a foodie later on this, this is when I was first this is 2004 when I wasn't a foodie I was just a food person I wasn't like a Master Chef watching foodie. I was, uh, <laughs> I was just your average person eating random, just ice cream and cake. <laughs> oh, I totally get you though. But that's kind of what happened. Like my social invites dwindled, and I was like, oh, this is really sad. Yeah, it, it's. It was. I ended up being. It was fine. But I, I remember. I remember feeling really uncomfortable at the start. Like, who's going to want to be friends with someone who's a vegan? <laughs> And doesn't smoke. I don't even drink. So I'm just a complete outsider. I was just going to ask you on that topic. Did your partner, was your partner supportive, A, and has he made changes to his own diet as a, or her diet as a response, in response to your changes? He has been incredibly supportive and he wants to become vegan eventually. So he's cut out quite a lot. So probably about 90% 90% of his diet is now vegan and yeah yeah like I, I'm really I'm, I'm so grateful for his support and he's watched the same things I've watched so we watched what the health together we went to the nutrition symposium together and I think what really relieved him was when um Dr. Clapper said that for some people it can take a little longer it the average can take up to 36 months so he, he's just gone great 36 months I've got 36 months to do this <laughs> Whereas I'm like, no, I'm going to do this now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so good, though. That's really quick. My husband, you know, he's listening to this right now. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been vegan now for six years this month, and um, it feels like things it's worthy of congratulations. I don't know why. I just really, really... I'm more chuffed about being vegan for six years than I am about being married for eight years this year. (laughs) No offence, Rinji. Like, obviously, I loved that anniversary and that that occasion so much but I feel like as a person becoming vegan changed me on a soul level more than getting married if that makes sense completely yeah yes I I, I totally understand yeah it might sound weird to other people I really really love my husband and I really really loved our wedding day (laughs) and our marriage has been really amazing but I becoming aware of the animals and the planet and becoming more aligned with my beliefs about kindness and compassion. Um, I think that was a huge portion of my heart that was felt hollow, more hollow than it does now. I feel much more full and loving to be in my body as a vegan than it did as a non-vegan. If that makes sense? Yes, it completely makes sense. I was just thinking I was reading something... Um, in that Facebook group and it and someone mentioned and they said that 
it just feels so right. Like nothing's ever felt so right. And I completely resonated with that. And it, it sounds like you're on the same wavelength as well, which is really, really nice to talk to someone like mm. that. Yeah. It, 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 not to sound like a, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it seem, I often worry about these podcast episodes where it just seems like two vegans getting together talking about how awesome <laughs> we are. <laughs> And, you know, I think people already assume that we're self-righteous and holier than thou and all of those things. Um, And I guess we are. Um, But it's, I I really love getting to do these interviews and talking to people who have had a similar realisation as me. Like your, your dog passing was kind of the catalyst for your discovery of veganism and going down that thinking that, you know, oh my gosh, I love my dog, but dogs are animals, animals, all animals matter, you know, all animals' lives matter. And for me, that was having my son. I had my son and I was breastfeeding him and I was like, oh my gosh, I love him so much. <gasps> all mothers love their babies. <gasps> oh my God, cows love their babies. <gasps> and it was just this, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, just thinking, oh my God, pigs, oh my God, sheep, oh my God, fish, you know, like just thinking we're all animals. We all love these babies we have. What right do I have to take someone else's baby away and steal their breast milk, you know, it just seemed immediately like an alarm went off in my head. Oh, my gosh, I'm participating in terrible, terrible violence. Yeah, exactly. And I believe in a soul. And I thought, well, I like I believe humans have a soul and and, um, my dog has a soul. And I was thinking, well, what's the difference between my dog and other animals? Like, all beings have a soul, and what are we doing by massacring them for our consumption when it's not necessary? Or to wear? Like, that's, now I think about it, and it's disgusting. Well, I think, I feel like it's, like, I just couldn't, I couldn't believe that I used to do that and participate in that. And when you see, like, on TV or you watch on Facebook or YouTube, and you see the practices of how you know, how you get a leather handbag or how you get chicken on the table or eggs and what goes behind the scenes of the industries. It, it's it's abhorrent. It really is. And I think a lot of people either are in, are in two camps. They either have no idea that this is happening. They think it's happening only in other countries that they, they're not here or that... Yes. Or they, um, they know that they for whatever reason, aren't willing or ready themselves to make that commitment to adopting a plant-based diet, a vegan diet. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I've got some family members as well, and it's really funny. So um, one of my cousins who is a massive foodie, like she's got a massive following on Instagram for being a foodie, she started to come to vegan markets with me, and she started to eat quite a lot of vegan food. Like she's lactose intolerant, so so when she goes to restaurants, she orders a vegan meal with meat. (laughs) Go figure. We were talking about it and I said, do you want some more information about it? Like, do you want me to send you things or tell you things? And she said, no, I'm, I'm not ready to learn about it yet. Like, I, I don't want to know what happens. So I think there's that ignorance is bliss bubble. Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people don't want to have that bubble burst. Yeah. In all honesty, I don't know if I wanted to when, before I was ready. I don't know. I don't know. I, I had the realisation myself, but I don't know if someone had a like they say, rammed it down my throat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure yeah. I would have been, you know, a bit standoffish about it as well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I would have reacted because I didn't meet any vegans 
Well, I only met like one lot of vegans ever beforehand and I didn't really even think about what they were doing. I just thought, oh, yeah, cool, they eat more plants. And I just liked their food. It was all delicious. I didn't – but I didn't I didn't go in my mind to the thought of me being vegan. I'm like, oh, that's great for you guys. <laughs> it, it never came into my head. So it's just maybe, that, maybe that's what people are doing as well. Like they just think, okay, well, good for you. You're doing that, but I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think – like we're all, we're each on our own journeys and timing is everything. So when everything happens for a reason, you follow a path at a certain point in time for a reason. When I used to go shopping and I would buy cosmetics and I would double check if they're vegan, I would have people saying to me, oh, are you vegan? And I'm like, no, I just, I use products that are vegan and I'll get funny looks. And I remember feeling a bit uncomfortable <laughs> about that and then thinking, oh yeah, I'll go vegetarian one day. I just didn't realize that it would it would happen so quickly. Why were you buying, were you just for the cruelty side of the cosmetics? Is that why you were buying vegan cosmetics? Yeah, I learned about testing on animals um, a few years ago and that, that, that just disgusted me. And then, um, then thinking about what I was putting on my face and what I was using on my body. Although it was funny, I, I didn't really make that link to what I was eating. <laughs> We all, you know, it's a, it's a bit like vegetarians when they make they make half the connection. Yeah. Not, not to, not, I'm not bagging out vegetarians, or maybe I am a bit, but you make half <laughs> the connection that it's a, it, that eating meat is cruel without thinking that all the other areas involve cruelty and death and suffering to animals if they're exploited and used in any in any way, food, fashion, test, animal testing. You know, it's all cruelty and suffering. Yeah. But yeah, it's funny how we can cognitive dissonance. We can just tell ourselves we're doing we're doing a bit. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Actually, it just reminds me. My brother's girlfriend was telling me that she met two vegans and they were buying a Ferrari. And when she met them, they were decked out in Ferrari gear and they were wearing lots of leather. And she was like, "How can you not eat meat but wear it?" <laughs> I know it's strange. And the thing is, there's so many different. Like we all, it's. It's such a, like, you know, if you've been vegans in Australia in the group, it's such a divisive levels. You know, I always joke, like, because on The Simpsons they had that, you know, Lisa had a boy she had a crush on and he said, I'm level five vegan. (laughs) (laughs) And I always say that to, like, anyone who I meet, I'm a level five (laughs) vegan. That's awesome. Um, If they ask me, you know, just as a joke. Even the level five doesn't exist. But, I mean, there's also many different, like, people who eat eggs still or backyard <laughs> eggs, people who eat honey still because they're happy honeybees and, you know, um, backyard hives and people who are happy to wear wool because it's, you know, yeah, yeah. there's so many different levels. And it's all just, like you say, it's about what people are ready for and what they're willing to commit to. And, you know, I didn't I, – I, kept my animal products for a while because I thought I paid for them and they're my clothes and I wear and I love my boots they're all cute and they're adorable my Gorman clogs and you know all these things and then I after about a year and a half I think it might have even been two years I thought you know what I I can't in all good conscious walk around wearing these things and that was for me personally, but many people don't do that. But for me, I was thinking, well, you know, now I'm telling people, look how cute this animal product is I'm wearing that's adorable. You should also go buy one. You yeah, know? Like that's it's, a good point, actually. You're still, 
you're promoting a demand, you're creating a demand for it. People see it and they go, oh, I love your shoes. And you're like, they're from Gorman. And then they go, well, I'm going to go buy similar shoes made of animal products. Or I'm going to buy a, a poncho made of alpaca because you're wearing it. It's adorable. And cowboy boots, recycled ones, you know. It's all still advertising for those products to keep demand going that makes sense anyway so i stopped no, doing yeah that. you're absolutely right but to be a lot well i gave them to my friends i was like i don't want to i don't want to bury them or put them in the bin can you just have them in case i ever change my mind <laughs> <laughs> it's still part of giving <laughs> yeah but then they're gonna wear them but anyway at least i'm not promoting it <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a really good point yeah, but, it, but that's just, you know, that took two years to come to. But so, so people are on their journeys and maybe they're not, they're still eating honey, they're still eating happy eggs and maybe one day they won't be. Maybe one day they'll say, you know what, if I eat happy eggs and my visitors come and they say, oh, eggs are still great, I'm going to keep eating eggs. You know, it's just a slow thing where you realise that any, any use of it tells other people around you that it's okay and they buy that thing more. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, 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 no completely agree yeah so anyway i really love your story because i think a lot of women um which is why i asked you on the show i think a lot of women especially like i know i didn't talk much when you were talking about all of the changes that you've had but a lot of women are living with chronic pain you know extensive heavy period and bleeding each month and are living with that here every single month and i think that learning that someone like yourself and i've had I think two other guests on the show with one with polycystic ovarian syndrome and another one with an endometriosis. And I think that a lot of people can benefit from saying, you know what, it doesn't just heal. Or not, I like saying heal because people get all up in, a, up in arms about you saying that you've healed an incurable disease. Living symptom-free with a with a chronic disease like multiple sclerosis, like I have, or heart disease or type 2 diabetes. But this, the, the, there's things that aren't as like, whoa, like cancer and heart disease and MS that are still hugely crippling conditions, which are things like asthma, which are things like ongoing irritable kind of bowel syndrome, di- digestive issues people are living with, and things especially like menstruation and heavy periods and those kinds of things that are happening all the time. And so people just think, oh, well, that's just life. But you're already saying that within like a month or two, adopting a vegan diet and then going on to a whole food plant-based diet, you're pretty much symptom-free for all these conditions that can be chronic and debilitating for so many people. And they go unspoken about largely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing is just that my energy levels went skyrocketing. Like, that's so important. Oh. That's such that's such a huge deal, you know? Like it's such a huge deal to have energy when you haven't. Absolutely. You know when you feel that horrible that you feel nauseous and you have headaches and you're just so grumpy at the world because you haven't slept. I don't get that anymore. It's so good. I'm really I I think it's such an important thing for people to hear that, you know, out in this way of life can make you have energy that you never thought you could have. Yep. And knowing that that's that that is normal. Like having food comas mm. is not normal. I don't have food comas anymore. And the funny thing is with the whole foods diet, like when I went vegan, I um, probably about six months in, I unintentionally went gluten-free as well just because I wanted to eat less, you know, like less starches and less carb, like less, you know, processed starches and carbs. And one day I went to my friend's house and they were so beautiful. They made a vegan stroganoff for all of us, so mainly for me because I was the only vegan there. Yeah, it was it was amazing and I was so touched. But she used pasta 
and she's normal pasta. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that I, I've, I've been eating gluten-free for a while. I literally, like, I ate a lot. It was amazing. It was so good. I drove home and probably took about 15 minutes to get home. I was so tired on the way home. I nearly fell asleep at the wheel. And this is probably the worst thing. I pulled up into my garage. I didn't have the energy to get out of my my car. I slept in the car for half an hour. I was that tired. Oh, my gosh. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I never eat pasta for that reason. It just kills me every single time. Yeah, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I, like... I remember that I used to make jokes in school about food comas and food babies. Like, that's not normal. Being bloated and having a food baby and feeling so tired that you want to have a nap after food is not normal. No, it's not. It's not. But 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 it is normal. It is actually normal for most people in our society. It's just it shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. And now I don't have food comas and I don't have food babies. It's amazing. Like... This is this is probably not the greatest admission, but I used to be like crazy, super gym junkie, fit, and I was like my goal was to get a six pack before um, before my twenty eighth birthday, and I got really really close, and then I went to Europe, so like I had like a solid four pack, and then I went to Europe, <laughs> but that you know I was I was happy with that because I was like I'm not gonna I'm just gonna enjoy myself in Europe. Yeah, yeah. But since yeah. turning vegan, um, this is the craziest thing, and and it's. Like I was working on a few things, like starting my own business same t- at the same time. But I have not done like hardcore proper exercise for about six months. Like I used to go, I used to do yoga every few days or nearly every day. Um, like working out in the gym, doing heaps of dance classes, lots of walks, hiking, etc. And last six months has been pretty much nothing. But my body looks the same, if not better. That is weird. Yeah, like I have. I have solid abs and I don't exercise. That's so good. See, people people need to hear this too. They can be super ripped just by doing hardly any exercise at all and eating just Yeah, plants. exactly. Like, I don't have to worry about my weight. It's amazing. Like, I, I never, like, I'm blessed because I, I never really had that problem, but I can gain weight. Like, when I was eating, when I was making vegan cakes and that was all I was eating, I didn't gain weight. And it was devastating yeah, when yeah. I couldn't fit my clothes. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, what's happening? I, I have had a weight problem and I still have weight to lose like I have lost a lot of weight but I still have weight to lose and I yeah I I envy people like yourself who are like I've just always been really thin (laughs) (laughs) but then like I work so hard at eating right like that's what kind of irks me with people at work because I work in a corporate environment and everyone just you know there's they have soft drinks every few hours they eat fried foods they go out and have burgers and so on and there's like so much saturated fat and oil and fried meats and bacon and that's normal. And then like I'll rock up with my like homemade vegan salad and my chow bowls and so on and people give me funny looks. But I'm thinking I'm the one that I like I know I spend a lot more time making my food at home, but I'm the one that doesn't have to exercise. Well, I should exercise and I, and I do like exercise. I walk. But because I make the effort to do this, like I prioritize my health and my body and loving myself and my body first. And that was one of the biggest changes for me because I, like, as a girl, you know, like, you're always obsessed about your appearance. Like, you're always thinking, oh, my God, like, have I gained weight and so on? Um, You know, does my bum look big in this? And what about my stomach? And I'm not going to wear bodycon dresses because it's going to show everything. But since making this whole foods plant-based change, I love my body. Yeah, like, that's been amazing. Like, I love 
or not that I love, but I, I feel comfortable and I enjoy looking in the mirror and going, you know what? I love what I see. And I've never felt like that before. That's so good. But I know so many women, you know, every, every woman that you meet just hates their body or parts of their body or, you know, their butt or their stomach or their thighs or whatever. And so I think most people who do adopt this way of eating end up finding a really nice, comfortable weight that they naturally stay at. I think most people, you know, for me, it's slowly happening now. It's been happening over time, but it's getting to a stage where I'm coming into a weight that I'm I'm happier with. And so it's just, feel, not, that, not that weight's important, but my body feels lighter. So to exercising and to move and play with my kids feels easier and better in this weight than it did before. So yeah, it's, 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 it's whatever suits you and your lifestyle and whatever you're happy with and feel comfortable with. Absolutely. And it's like, for me, the biggest thing is not nitpicking. Like I, I like... Every other woman have always been like that. Like I would send, I'd, you know, get out dress, get jump in the shower, look in the mirror. I'd be like, oh, my God, my stomach's sticking out or I've got a muffin top or, you know, my butt looks big in this or this is jiggly. Cellulite, like, you know, we'll, we'll pick at everything and anything. We torture <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> exactly. And I think, like, when you're on a whole foods plant-based diet, you put so much time and effort and energy into making sure that you're fueling your body, you're nourishing your body with the right foods and and mm. liquids that that it's you're showing like that that is the physical act of showing yourself that you love and respect yourself. Exactly, and I think that the problem. I guess I guess the issue is, even though we're going a bit off topic, I guess the issue is them that a lot of our society and people in our society don't love themselves. You know, they don't. Even even like themselves a lot of the Absolutely. time. Absolutely, and that, that's why you know it's when you do the macas run or whatever, it's it's easy and it's like it's easy, it's convenient, it's you know somewhat cheap, but you feel awful afterwards. It definitely does. Uh, today, for instance, I was slightly naughty um, on my own thing. Every now and again, you know, you have these times when you're like, I'm going to eat a vegan food that's not actually good yeah, for you. Yeah. I had seen, so I did, we're at cinemas and it was hot, it's 44 here, which is hot and windy, dry wind, and everyone was, I live in the forest, so we all had to go off the mountain for the day because there's a high bushfire risk today, extreme bushfire risk today, and so we went off and went to like a local shopping centre and went to the, took the kids to the movies and... Anyway, at the cinemas, there was just, I don't even know why, but I'd heard that Ben and Jerry's had made vegan ice creams. <laughs> yes, I saw that. <laughs> and I, I knew that they were really hard to find. And I had I knew about a year ago and I thought, oh, I wonder what they taste like. Because it's just interesting because it's Ben and Jerry's. It's a big, big thing. It's pretty cool that they're making vegan flavors now because that'll get more people who like ice cream that but don't like vegan ice cream to think, oh, wow, if Ben & Jerry's is making it, it must be good and maybe they'll – anyway, I wanted to taste it. I just wanted to taste it. And so I bought the kids a time <laughs> <laughs> and we ate some. And I literally – because I've been eating super clean for, you know, ages. That's what I eat like. And it's just the shock to my system. I've been complaining all afternoon. My husband's like, why did you <laughs> – why did you do it? And I'm like, I don't know. I just got in this, like, I've heard about it. I've been thinking about it. You know, I haven't, I haven't been thinking about it obsessively. But, I mean, anytime it pops up, I think, oh, I wouldn't mind tasting that. I wonder what it's like. And I tasted it today and I thought, oh, my God, I feel so gross. My gut's bloated. I feel like I, 
I feel like I've gained 20 kilos just by eating like you know a few spoons of this ice cream. I don't feel good. I feel tired and it's just yuck. And so, you know, the, the more you eat this way, the more even the smallest things make you feel gross and you think, why would I ever want to do that again? Yep. Absolutely. And I think like that's for me, that's one of the benefits about this lifestyle is that you, you get like your taste buds change so much that you you don't want those things because when you do try those things, you don't feel good. No. But it's funny because you don't notice that you don't feel good. Initially, before, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what foods made me, made me feel gross. Yes. I, I just thought, I feel gross. I don't think it's food. I just feel yuck all the time. Totally agree. But now I can pinpoint anything. I know exactly what it is that's made me feel gross because I'm just so clean in what I eat that I, as soon as I eat a foreign thing and I have a reaction, I just go, okay, gross, that, that thing's out. Yeah, <laughs> and it's... And you, you, because you're so attuned to your body, and I think that's what this lifestyle teaches you. It teaches you how to really love and respect that relationship with your body and turn it into a positive one. Like you notice little things. Like the other day, I had a rash. Like my, I just like had this red flare up on my stomach and on my arm, and I was like, "Where is this coming from?" And then I realized, like, I went out to a restaurant and I ate, and there must have been gluten in the food, or there was something in the food that made me react. And I was like, "Oh." cool that's good to know like in the past I would have just gone oh it's you know it's hay fever or whatever and I just would have ignored it but now I'm attuned to it yeah definitely I had no clue beforehand and now I you know I know immediately like okay you know I've eaten pasta or I've eaten white rice you know or I've eaten like even though I like white rice but I mean white rice if I have it makes me it doesn't brown rice satiates and if I was white rice I can eat overeat white rice and it makes me crave more simple sugars and things like that whereas brown rice doesn't do that same thing to me but I yeah it's just my own little thing I still like white rice but yeah it's just not as not my friend as much as brown yeah, rice yeah yeah totally get you and um you should it actually just reminded me I went to Messina the other day and the ice cream shop and I love Messina like it's you know it's like probably the best in Australia and I, I used to go there a fair bit, like even in my the early few months of being vegan. And because I've pretty much cut out sugar, like cut out refined sugar, I got a vegan sorbet and I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. You know, like I've had this before. I literally could only eat about a quarter to half of it and then I had to throw it away. I was like, I feel so disgusting and so sick. Like this sugar rush is insane. And, it, and like I literally, I didn't want to throw up, but I just felt that ill. Yeah, that's what happened to me today. Like, I just felt, as I have only, like, dates would be my most hardcore sugar that that I eat. And that's, you know, maybe a few a week Uh, at the moment. Like, you know, I have had ups to different relationships with sugar over the time. But now I'm much more, become much more strict with the sugars that I have. Mostly it's just whole plant, plant sugars, really. Some maple syrup every now and again, maybe. Yeah, that ice cream today was like not dates <laughs> or maple syrup. It was very much the white sugar of my my past, and yeah, it was it was full on. And have you noticed that your like your cravings have changed? Absolutely, so much. Today, I was craving salad after I had that ice cream. Just craving, like, please give me a salad. I need a salad. So bad. <laughs> and you can see cravings. You can see 
I now am aware of what triggers certain cravings. So if I have a high, higher fat food, I know I'm going to crave more junk food, processed foods. Like if I have like a vegan pizza out that's got more oil and stuff in it, I know that I'm going to be craving more junk food, refined food, junk food later because my gut microbiome's now out of balance and, you know, it's wanting to give the bad bacteria what they want, which is more and more junk food and refined fats and refined oils and refined sugars. And I really feel that. Like if I have junk food, I know that I'm going to have cravings for junk food, which I didn't notice before. Yeah, it's so – I found that so interesting. Like I used to love the raw desserts. So there was a stage where – I remember one particular week where I had a raw dessert three days straight. So like I would go to like Coco Bliss or Charlie's Raw Squeeze – and then I thought on the third day, I was like, this is getting a bit much. I should not be eating this every day, even though it's delicious. It's a, it's a lot of nuts. It's a lot yeah, of nuts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, what, am I, what am I doing? And then now, like, I used to love that. And I used to love, like, chocolate. Like, my favorite was, like, pana chocolate. And, like, my favorite thing was <laughs> sitting there, like, being a couch potato, like, late at night, just watching a movie, like, you know, on a, on a weekend, like a Friday night, just chilling out and getting over the week, eating chocolate or like, you know, those those nacho bean chips? They're, oh, they're, they're vegan. They're, um, I can't remember the exact name of them, but it's so ironic. It's got a five-star health rating. <laughs> then the, And they're chips. Yeah, it's so funny. But um, I remember eating like those things and like enjoying myself. And the other night, even though I had my period, I was just sitting there going, I don't want chips. I don't even really want chocolate. I just want a piece of fruit. I don't want to eat. I don't want a raw dessert. I don't want any of that. And it was so weird. And now I don't I don't mm. want those things. Like I went to Coco Bliss the other day and I had a side bowl. And I was looking at the raw desserts. I'm like, I there's no desire. Few people don't think that they can get past those cravings and you can. When I was pregnant with my first son, I ate I went I wasn't vegan and I just ate I was like I was plant like I was pescatarian, I guess, because I was pescatarian. That, that was the diet recommended for multiple sclerosis, like a whole food plant based with fish for omega 3s. Oh, yeah. And so I was eating that. And then I, you know, with MS, people say, or doctors would say that MS goes into remission when you're pregnant. For some reason, they don't know why. You don't tend to have as many relapses when you're pregnant. So you can eat whatever you want. And so I ate whatever I wanted. I ate biscuits, cakes, lemon meringue pie, Szechuan ribs, <laughs> just any. Anything I wanted. I liked ribs and lemon meringue pie, mostly. But anything beige and terrible for you. And when I was pregnant and I thought, people, people always say, oh, you're pregnant. You know, it's just your, like, it's like, it's just, like it's this pathway that you can just eat whatever you want. Um, and so I did and I felt gross. Well, not gross, but just tired and gross. And it's not good for your baby to feed them just constant junk food when they're in your womb my midwife would say you know you're drip feeding sugar to your baby i'm like oh my god she's like would you would you feed that to your baby if they were out of the womb i'm like no and they're like why are you feeding it to it when you're in your womb i was like oh god i'm a terrible human of course that's why (laughs) (laughs) but with the second pregnancy i thought the same thing was going to happen i thought i was going to give into all of my cravings and then i was like five weeks pregnant and I thought oh my gosh I want biscuits and apple pie and ice cream I was vegan though and I thought I wasn't gonna break being vegan but I thought you know I'll 
get the vegan version. So I went to the shops and I got like a biscuit and cake and apple pie. And then I was in the car and I was like, this is what I really want to do again. 10 months of just eating biscuits and cake and anything that I want and feeling gross and gaining 20 kilos. Or do I want to say, all right, why am I craving this? Oh, okay. Cause I want, if I want like chips, oh, cause I want fat and a salt. Okay, so I want fat and salt, so I'll get some avocado and have it on some oat bread with a bit of sea salt. That's what I actually want is the salt and the fat. And if I want cake, I really want sugar and fat. So maybe get some, have a little bit of like a date with a bit of almond butter inside. And it was fine. I I never had, I never did it ever again. I had that one day and then I just ate fruits and whole foods ever for the rest of the pregnancy and it was absolutely fine. That's awesome. No body's designed to need cake when you're pregnant. You know what I mean? (laughs) Biologically, we just want high calories. We want those types of salts and fats and sugar calories from fruits, nuts, and whole fats like avocado. So once I realized my body is not saying cake because no one's body (laughs) ever needs cake, it's actually just saying I want something sweet that has fat in it. Then it was and carbohydrates then I just, once I learned that in my head, then I just did that. I love that. So it was, it was, it was amazing. That's awesome. Every year having a baby, I highly recommend listening to your cravings and going, okay, you don't really want steak. You really need iron and some minerals. Let's have a big salad with some chickpeas in it and a glass of orange juice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny what your mind tells you from your habits, you know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and I think, I think that's funny when you learn what you can have instead and almost instantly your cravings go away. Yeah, as soon as you eat the thing that your body needs, sugar and some peanut butter maybe, like or apple and peanut butter, it, the cravings immediately go away. Like it doesn't, doesn't – I, I never had them hang around. I'm just like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. I did just need dates and peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I totally get you. Like I've made um, – so we still have a bit of junk food in the house. My partner likes to buy junk food when I'm not working grocery shopping. Ergo, he's not really allowed to go grocery shopping. But um, – when I do have those, like if I'm hungry and I, I just want something and I can't be bothered to make a salad or and I haven't pre I haven't got prepped food ready, when I go downstairs, I don't I don't gravitate towards that and I used to and that's that's probably the best feeling like switching like thinking about well if I have this how am I going to feel afterwards? Well, I'm probably going to regret it and it's not going to make me feel good. And I know that it's nutritionally, there's no nutritional value in it. It's not good for my body, irrespective of what the rating says on the front of the chip packet. (laughs) (laughs) So that's been really exciting to be creative and realizing how simply you can eat. Mm, Yeah, super simple. I was listening, I interviewed um, Andrew Spudfit Taylor, the amazing man who overcame food addiction by eating only potatoes for 365 days yeah so he ate ate a whole year only eating potatoes so mashed roast boiled whatever no oil just potatoes amazing anyway so he did that because he realized he had an unhealthy relationship with food but you can't just quit food you have to eat something so he wanted just really boring food to get himself over this need to have complex you know gourmet amazing food because he was overweight and you know unhealthy and he just wanted to finally rather than going on glocal diets and keto and paleo and this and that he just wanted to over he knew it was a food addiction not just a lack of willpower or whatever so he did this anyway but he said 
I love this quote. He says, make your food boring, make your life interesting. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think it's really important. We all think we're going to get our pleasure and our our fun and our enjoyment from food at weddings, at parties, at everything. It's about the food. But it shouldn't be. It should be about the people. It should be about the things you do together. It should be about the experiences you have in your life. It shouldn't just be – like food is fuel. It shouldn't be all we live yeah, for. You know what exactly. I mean? And I think most of society thinks it's all there is to life is are you having an amazing meal? If not, you're worthless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or if I eat this, it'll make me happy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I love that. Make your food boring. Make your life interesting. Yeah. I think that it, there's, there's a lot to that, even though it sounds really bleak to, to a lot of people who love food like we do. I um, I really resonated with me. I think a lot of people are addicted to food, and it's such a societal norm that it's normal to be addicted to food and to be thinking about it and planning it and drooling over it all day, every day, and into the night. And then we wonder why, you know, all we have such a high rate of obesity and all these kinds of things. But And it's such a normal thing, like alcohol consumption is in our culture as well. I think that it does need to be looked at and said, like, you know, how can we address it so that kids have a healthier relationship with food? And I think an appreciate simple thing, like when you take out the sugar and the salts and all the MSG and the... The, all the enhancers, like you, your taste buds change so much where you really appreciate really, really simple meals and meals that are like the whole foods meals. Like I remember the other day I was, I was running late and I was rushing to get ready for a coaching session and I literally had five minutes to grab some food. So I grabbed an avocado, some sauerkraut and I think cherry tomatoes. Oh, and I had asparagus. It was just in the fridge. So I just chucked it all together. It was amazing. I was super happy. <laughs> it is amazing. It is amazing. It's so funny. You'd be like, oh, I'm going to have some apple with, I don't even know. Like, you know, just slices of apple in a bowl sometimes, fresh apple. And it seems like, I, I used to be like, oh my God, apple, are you kidding me? And now I'm like, this is amazing. Like the flavor, I can, it's like my tongue yes. are finally alive again without all the salt yes, and the exactly. sweetness. Like- well, this cap, this bit of capsicum's amazing. <laughs> I yeah. never used to think I'd yeah. ever say like that. You just, but yeah, you really appreciate those simple flavors, and it gets to a stage where you crave it. Like I've been really into lychees lately. Like I've eaten probably about a few kilos of lychees over the last few weeks. Yeah, and I can sit there and happily eat like a, a punnet of lychees, and I don't want cake. I don't want chocolate. Like I actually, for Christmas, I thought, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. I'm just going to break this for a little bit, and I bought vegan custard. And a vegan Christmas pudding because I used to love Christmas pudding. And the first slice was it was okay, it was it was good. And I thought like no one else is going to eat this, so I'll take it home from Christmas dinner. I took it home. I couldn't finish it. I couldn't eat it. It was it was it was too much. It was sweet. And then what kept going through my mind was what are all the things that are in this to make it taste like this? Like what are all the unnatural foods that I am putting into my body? And I just couldn't get over it. So I, I threw it away and I had lychees. I think people can think that we, it's, it's a fine line between whole food plant-based diet and orthorexia. And it's difficult because when you're living this way, you are thinking about food in a totally different way, but not in a way of like punishing yourself. It's a way of loving yourself, but it seems 
people think it's unhealthy to deprive yourself, but you're doing it from a place of love. Like this isn't fuel from my body. This isn't going to help my body because I love myself so much. I don't want to put this food. It isn't the pace of saying I hate myself. I'm not going to let myself have, you know, plum pudding because I don't like myself, which is, I think, I think that's a, I think that I think a lot of people get yeah, no, absolutely right. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it's a it's a big mindset shift. Like tonight, my partner's ordering pizza, and I was looking at it, and I'm like, should I? Shouldn't I? And I thought, you know what? I'd probably like the taste of it, and then I then I defaulted to, well, how am I going to feel afterwards? It's not going to make me feel good. All I'm going to be thinking about is what is in what what am I actually eating, and what's in this dough? What's what's in this to make it taste this way? No, I've got I've got vegan food that I've prepped in the fridge. I'm good. And I feel great. Like, I'm so glad that I made that decision. And it's, and it's, you're so right. It's coming out of a place of love because I love, I now love, and it's taken, you know, 31 years. I now love myself and my body enough to know that I want to take care of it. It's, it's the only body that I have. And I think you're so right because everyone looks at it. And even my partner was saying to me, he goes, oh, you know, like, it's, you know, it's okay to treat yourself once in a while. And that's the way society thinks. I think it's okay. Like it's it's okay to do this. It's okay to give yourself macas once in a while if you generally eat healthy. It's okay to have whatever, like chocolate and you know Coke and so on. And that and that is loving yourself. Like it's it, loving yourself is rewarding yourself. When really, like loving yourself is taking care of yourself. It's putting good food into your body. I think that that's one of the things people say, treat yourself, but it's not actually treating yeah, yourself, exactly. it's punishing yourself. Exactly. And I think like treating yourself is making a delicious, healthy, whole foods meal where you, you, you'll feel amazing afterwards. You'll have an amazing poop afterwards. Like, <laughs> Yay! No one talks about the poop enough for me. I think that the poop is largely underrated and it needs to be yeah, shattered from exactly. the rooftops. <laughs> My friend has major conservation issues. And she, she, like, you know, the other day, um, she lives interstate and I was in her state. She was saying, oh, you know, like, I'm really blocked up, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, great. So I got her to try a whole foods diet for a week and she said she felt great. And then she kind of lapsed after that. But, like, seeing how uncomfortable she was and how she kept talking about it and how much pain she was in, I was like, that's horrible. You don't live like that. I was, in, I had that, so, I was constipation so bad for so many years. And now I just think, oh, my gosh, I was so terrified even to go to the toilet because it was just so painful and so awful. And, yeah, if I had to get one good thing out of this, it would be that I just can go to the toilet with Yeah, right? And you feel joy. so good after it. I love it. You've already really spoken a lot about – well, not a lot. You've spoken about it. <laughs> about your struggles with support, a support, net, support net, network. And I think a lot of people have – struggles with a support network when making this transition because it's such a isolating experience because not many people eat this way at the moment, but it's going to grow, of course, because people are going to listen to this podcast and share it nationwide, worldwide, and then there'll be so many more yes, for vegans for us to befriend. Um, but what I wanted to know was what would your, be your three biggest tips for, read, for listeners who are considering taking on this lifestyle? My three biggest things would be do your research and find your community, find your tribe. So whether it be if you meet people in your area that are going on this journey or that already are on this journey um, online, like I found lots of people online, especially via Facebook. And then the third thing is really understand your why. 
So if it's for animals, then research about animals. If it's for health reasons, then research or talk to people that have really overcome what you're going through. Because once you have a really good understanding of your why, then it doesn't matter what other people say to you. It doesn't matter what comments they make or what you're excluded from or, you know, you go to a, meal, you go to a restaurant and all you can eat is like one thing because there's a greater reason why you're doing this. And if you, if you know that and you think about that in the times where you feel completely alone and isolated and, and worst case bullied, then it, then all of that falls away. It really doesn't matter because you've got a greater vision. You've got a greater purpose behind it. I think that is such a great point. I think that the why is the key because I remember when I, going, sorry to go back to, I remember I met this vegetarian woman. She was pregnant and she said, for some reason I'm craving chicken and I haven't eaten meat for 10 years. And I said, I wasn't vegan or anything at the time. And I just thought it was such a, nothing thing I said just eat chicken then obviously you want it just eat it and she's like looked at me like as if I could I'm I'm vegetarian I'm not just gonna suddenly not be vegetarian just because I'm craving chicken and I couldn't understand how come she just wouldn't just eat it you know just eat it whatever but once you have a why obviously she had a why she really didn't want to harm chicken beef chickens cows pigs and sheep for for food, you know, for, for, for meat. And that was really important to her. And I think that she, you know, her, she had a why for why she wasn't going to give in to that chicken craving. And, and for me now, I, my why is big enough. My health, the animals, the planet is big enough for me, but it is because I did research. I looked into it. I really immersed myself in those subjects so that I, I, I would never like, you know, when I was pregnant the second time around and, I had the same cravings for junk food and lemon meringue pie and all those things, but I was just like, I would never. My husband was like, when you get pregnant again, you're going to break veganism and you're going to eat whatever. I said, no way. There's no way I would stop being vegan just because I'm pregnant. Like, no matter what craving I had, I knew that I would overcome it because my why was so strong. Exactly. Like, it becomes a big part of who you are. It's not just a diet or a lifestyle. It's, I think... And, and that's what I love that's why I love talking to other people that are on, on the same journey because it it's a part of you and you're not going to change that part of you for a five minute craving no 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 way it feels I think I think it is stronger like most people do who have like a religion people often equate veganism to a religion or a cult or those kinds of things and I think that most people who have a religion break that religion. Those, the, the values held with by that religion fairly regularly a lot of the time you know if it's like blasphemy if it's like minor things like they're not they're greedy or they're judgmental or they're you know they're unkind or jealous or all those types of things um with veganism it's it's not like that it's not a thing that you just go oh, okay i'm gonna be vegan like i like they've been seeing things saying oh vegan or almost vegan or vegan on mondays like certain diets where you're like vegan or vegan, you know, I'm vegan mostly, but I eat fish. Um, you know, all these different variations. But I think if you're truly vegan, then you don't tend to break those unless you're you're not quite ready to commit to being vegan. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that just that completely goes back to understanding why you're doing this. Like, if you're doing this because it's a it's a challenge and you just want to experience it, okay, then great. But then. Think about why you're doing this challenge. 
or if you're doing this for because you've committed to it because you want to make a permanent lifestyle change and awesome really figure out what's your underlying reason and what value and belief does this connect with it's such an important part of it i think that the why is probably the strongest part of getting anyone to commit to a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet or a vegan diet. You and I have the curse of the gab because we're so excited to talk about plant-based living. But I say the curse because I can just I'm over I'm an over talker, um, which isn't great as a podcast host. Normally, I don't talk this much in podcasts. I promise. All good. I'm over um, sure. <laughs> So. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So before we hang up, I just wanted you to talk about your 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 work. If you have any work that you want to share with everyone about what you're doing or where you're at in your yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So because I I felt like um, and from experience, like my journey, and from people that have tried this or have tried a challenge or um, are trying this at the moment, we go through the same kind of things. Like you feel like. There's, um, as I mentioned before, there's like a support, lack of knowledge. You've got to do a lot of research. Um, you feel isolated. And for a lot of people, you don't really know who to talk to or what to talk about or what questions to ask. So what I'm building, which I'm pretty excited about, is an online program with coaching as well on the side to help people to make that change. And whether it be for a few weeks to try it as a challenge or whether it be for a permanent lifestyle change for whatever your why is I just really want to help people to support them to be able to change their lives because I I can like my life has has completely changed from it and I want to help people do the same not just from health but also from that self-love aspect which is so so important and there's there's a very small percentage of people who can honestly hand on heart say that they love themselves. So if we could grow that, I think it would make such a big difference to this, to this planet, to this world, to save as many animals as possible and to reduce our carbon footprint on this environment. So we have more of our beautiful planet for our future generations to come. We have very similar jobs, but I love it. I love it. There's, there's, there's so many people who need this type of work. And so I love that you're doing this because I think it's such an important area to work in like I think it's so important to support new people people who are wanting to drop this lifestyle who are curious about it to give them that support and the evidence and research for it and and the coaching support I think it's all really important because I think it's very hard like you said and like I've said to do it alone like we both did yeah especially quickly (laughs) yeah it's so good so do you have a place I will send I will add links to the end of this and I'll add it to the show notes do you have anywhere where people can find you to look into working with you or to doing your program once it's completed uh not yet but I will send through some info so I've just been working on scripts and so on so far but I want to make it online so it can be accessible to anyone, anywhere. Perfect. Excellent. All right. So you'll send it through and I will put it in the show notes as soon as you have more information for me as well so that it's there in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm sorry it took too longer, much longer than what I said. It was really great talking to you and hearing your story and hearing that you've had so many um, really I think even though they might not be cancer and heart disease and diabetes, as I said, they're still, they still impact so many more people than cancer, heart disease and type 2 diabetes 
um, in general, I think that those chronic discomforts like menstrual problems, like digestive problems, like asthma, allergies, those types of things, they, they do go under the radar. And I think that they still impact on our quality of life and our ability to enjoy our lives, our families and our own bodies. So I think this is a really great podcast people to listen to who are thinking, well, you know, I don't have cancer, so why would I bother? I think you should bother because you could feel so much better even with, even if it was just about the insomnia. The insomnia is a huge crippling, debilitating issue. You know, even if you only only um, improved your sleep, it would be a huge benefit to your overall performance in your work, in your career, in your life, and in your relationships. But then to, you know, to have your um, improvements with your asthma, with your menstruation, with so many different areas, it's just, it's just so worth it. You Absolutely. Know, it's just so and the fatigue, worth it. like... Feeling too tired all the time is not normal. <laughs> and I think a lot of those issues as well, and um, like if you don't do something to help yourself, they turn into big issues later on. They're, they're signposts. They're signposts. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like all my um, my menstrual issues started off with um, cancerous cells. So that was, that was probably the scariest thing when I had like abnormal pap smears and I had... I went to so many doctor's appointments and hospital appointments and gyno appointments to figure out what was wrong. And that plus the pain and all the symptoms and, you know, the crazy, crazy long periods. It could have, I don't know, like it could have ended up being cancer. It could have ended up being any, like it could have ended up being something serious. But it, that's what it kind of started off with. And that's what the doctors were afraid of. I think even if it's something small, like even, well, not small, because anything can be, can really affect your life. But even if it's something like you feel bloated or you're gassy or you have constipation issues, like um, digestive issues or, yeah, exactly. If we don't do something about it now, it, it can turn into something horrible and something big. Thanks so much, Alexis, for putting up with me during this interview and for taking the time to share your story and hopefully sharing a little bit of hope to anyone listening who has been affected by menstrual issues, endometriosis or asthma. Thanks so much. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, I put out new episodes each week and next week will be another recovery story that you seriously do not want to miss. So click subscribe and ensure you don't miss out. And if you want to while you're there, leave me a five-star rating because five stars are the best stars, obviously, because four stars I'll be like, oh, my God, what was the fifth star missing? Why didn't I get that fifth star? <laughs> um, and if you could take the time to leave me a review, it's a bit fiddly but so worth it because the more ratings and reviews and things like that that I – get the more visible this podcast is in iTunes and on Stitcher and it just means that more people have access to the information in these podcasts that could that could literally save their life or dramatically change their life so please if you have the time I would love it if you did that thank you so much see you next week bye <laughs>